Alrighty, welcome to Thrones and Scones. It's your weekday morning podcast where we talk Game of Thrones over breakfast. Tony, Hans, and Jeremy in with you here. Today we are hitting Season 1, Episode 8, The Pointy End, and I actually don't even know. Jeremy, what do you got for the scone today? Oh, we'll be doing Mini Blueberry from this lovely grocery store here in Beaver Creek. Fresh time. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty satisfaction because then you can eat multiple scones and feel like Jeremy. You know, I'm J- Jeremy. Yeah. You're so out of line here. We are not in scone territory right now. It's so confusing. Right? You need to slow your roll, buddy. <laughs> yeah, this is throner time right now. Let me have my moment, you dirty sconer bastard. <laughs> so good, so good. So for the thrones here, of course, this episode, the pointy end, and just for uh, just for succinctity's sake, is that the word that I want? Just so we cover all of our bases. Yeah, I could just say phrases instead of stupid words that don't exist. Here's the uh, wiki description. In the aftermath of Ned's capture, Sirio and Arya face off against Lannister guards, while Cersei manipulates Sansa to her own ends. Ooh. Rob rallies his father's northern allies against Tywin Lannister and heads south to war. Tyrion forms an uneasy alliance with the Hill Tribes and reunites with his father. Jon lashes out at Thorn and battles a mysterious attacker from beyond the wall. Danny is forced to reconcile her desire to conquer Westeros with Drogo's savagery after the Dothraki raid a peaceful village. That was a long one. <clears throat> That's happened in uh, in season one, episode eight. And I know it's it's a little bit overshadowed by all the BS that's about to happen in the coming episodes. But what did you guys think of the pointy end? I liked it. It was good. I, uh, I like how it starts off pretty much right after episode seven. Uh, we get in with the Lannister guards pretty much sacking the city, just slaughtering people and uh, <laughs> it's just good because I feel like so many episodes have ended on the cliffhanger but then don't start in a relevant spot they just True. completely sidetrack and go to something else and I like that it went now that I'm binging uh, I like that it went from uh, you know there was some continuity from the end of episode 7 to episode 8 uh, so I thought that was good uh, a lot of good points that I really liked uh, so but overall good episode what did you think Jeremy yeah, I actually completely agree. This is uh, this one you can feel it pumping up, right? You feel like it get, getting going. Um, we've kind of hit the pinnacle on the roller coaster, and now we're coming down, and it's uh, it moves at a better pace for me compared to some of the prior episodes. Um, yeah, to be honest, I think now we're starting to see a little bit more with Daenerys and um, kind of the preparing for war as they're marching across the sacking of the villages. I think that's where. Um, I find a lot of really interesting points in the future uh, for Daenerys' character actually starting to develop now. So she's kind of been off to the side on the back burner and now that's coming. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. I think they're setting up a lot with Danny, but I'd make a counterpoint real quick. I think this episode was really, as far as the the Esso side of things, focused on Drogo more than Danny. Yes. Yeah, no, that's, that's... I agree with you completely, but I think the... <laughs> I agree with you completely, but go yeah, fuck yourself. <laughs> no, but I don't. <laughs> but take it, okay? Because you're wrong. No, I mean, Drogo, Drogo's role in this, this series really is about kind of showing Danny who she's going to be. And I think yeah. we start to see that now. She She gets put in some kind of moral kind of dilemmas and now she's going to figure out you know what kind of woman what kind of queen she wants to be and i think True. we see that now and that's that's why i thought it was really cool 
It's, uh, it's this thing that we've been hearing about since episode one, where Cal Drogo is this crazy warrior. It's like, oh, look how long his braid is. It's because he's never cut it, because he's never lost. But we haven't seen, I mean, we've seen him being big and brutish and leading his men. And last episode, we saw him making these proclamations, being this badass, screaming into the fire. A little weird, but kind of cool. And then this is the first fight that we get with Cal Drogo, and he does it without weapons. And it's just like... He even takes him out at halfway through the fight, drops his daggers, and then uh, like the best moment ever where the guy's like, oh, you'll have to kill me first. He's like, I already have, and slits his throat. Oh, it's so good. It's awesome. Except knowing what happens moving forward, the beginning of that fight, you're just like, oh, come on, dude. Like, (laughs) don't do this. Like, stop letting the blade just go further into your chest. (laughs) Or he peck thrusts it. He's like, yeah, this feels nice. Yeah. Take it. Rub that rust right into there. That feels good. Uh, yeah, no. Of, yeah. It was good. Speaking of brutal, as Han said, we opened up the episode with them just brutalizing every Stark and every Stark like Bannerman that's in existence in the city. Does this make sense? Like, Obviously, I get all the guards, but when they go for the Septa particularly, um, they make a point to, to kill her and everything. If they're going for this whole Tywin Lannister wipe your family out thing, don't you think that they would have done the girls as well? Like the fact that they leave the daughters alive, or Sansa because she's the only one they have, um, but but then kill the Septa seem at odds with me. Yeah, so I'd also argue that it's kind of a dichotomy. They're they're wiping them out, but then they're saying they're saying, oh, you have a choice, you know, kneel to the king, you know. But then you're murdering everyone. So I I, I found weird. that I found that very odd. Yeah, it's like so why, you know, like supposedly the only traitor right is Ned. Like why are you systematically removing all of them? I mean that's that's literally saying one thing and obviously just showing your they're showing their hands what they're doing. They're making war before it's even declared, which you know is coming yeah. anyway. And yeah. then trying to, yes, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I I agree with the oddity of that because they they are killing all the Starks and obviously they want, Cersei, Cersei is kind of driving all this at this point. Like, uh, I feel like Joffrey really hasn't taken any sort of command to this point yet. Uh, and Cersei is really behind the scenes working all this. And she's obviously having all these people killed. And then, yeah. but why would she want her son to marry a Stark, there's really no benefit, right? Because if she wants to wipe out the entire Stark name, then why have her son marry this Stark girl and why keep her alive? Because I'm sure there are other royalty women or princesses or something that she could just have Joffrey married that would be less of an issue. So I, yeah, it, all, it doesn't make any sense to me because it's really, even even we learn, I believe in not this episode, but the next episode, episode possibly that joffrey says joffrey doesn't it's not like joffrey wants to keep her alive so he can marry her cersei is the one telling joffrey that he has to marry her i don't get it i will say i i think i know the reason but the show does not explain it at this point so i think it is a fault where we're lying currently um and i think they do explain it later especially when the bolton storyline really comes to fruition is that the northerners are very very stubborn and the starks have led them for essentially the entire history of the kingdom and as long as there are um you know, the key to holding the North is having a Stark. So if you can have that name attached to you, it's the same reason why we get the, the forced marriage with Ramsey Bolton later is because it's it becomes this, this um, you know, this name thing that you need to have behind you if you want to hold the North. That's a good point. And I suppose, after saying all that, I suppose it's not like they can easily get to Rob 
which is probably the one they're most yeah. worried about at this point. So they need to keep somebody alive to keep Rob at bay, is my guess, uh, in Cersei's mind. Good call. Um, but I, yeah, it just still seems weird. They could have not had Joffrey marry her. And still, I don't think that, to your point, I think I think that's a good point, but it's not like killing all the st- slaying all the Starks and keeping <laughs> one alive is going to keep the North at bay. That's probably going to piss them off more than anything. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So with killing all of the Starks, this brings us to, I think, one of the first conspiracy theories that stems from the show. Do you guys think that Serial Pharrell is dead? Yes. I don't, because why wouldn't they show it? They are so, they're so, like, there's so much gore, there's so much stuff. Why would they not show the death, right? Right. Now we know, I mean, we know he didn't win the fight because Marin Trant is a character later on. Um, but yes, so do you guys know the conspiracy theory with this? I don't. No. Jeremy? No. So the conspiracy theory is that Syria was captured and um, put into the black cells in the dungeon where Ned ends up and then is taken by Yorin, is it his name, when he comes to search for the uh, Night's Watch recruits. And the th- conspiracy theory is that Serial Pharrell is Jack and Hagar. Interesting. That's, I don't that's even know the, who is. Wait, who is? That's a stretch. Jack, the, Jack, Jack is the guy who trains Arya, the faceless man. Oh, that is interesting. It makes sense, right? I mean, he's already kind of training her to kind of follow that path already, with uh, yeah. with all the techniques, with the with the whisper quiet and all, you know, chasing a cat and all those things. So you already see that kind of foundation being built. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I, that's totally believable. I don't. The only thing that really holds it for me is after Arya eventually goes to Bravos and becomes this, you know, faceless man and joins joins their ranks for a period of time. They reveal a whole hell of a lot. They reveal that Jacken isn't Jacken, that nobody is who they think they are, that everyone is no one. Why would it not be revealed to her and to us that he was Serio? What's the point in keeping that a secret? Yeah, it's a good point. I'm not so. sure. I don't know, but it's fun. Uh, it's it's certainly fun to speculate. Let's let's close in the in the Stark things here. After everyone's dead, I'm talking about keeping them at bay. <laughs> Did you guys watch Making a Murderer? At least the first season. No, I didn't. No, I never watched it. Okay, maybe you have watched some similar things. Um, there's all this talk in Making a Murderer with this guy Brendan Dassey, who's the main guy's nephew, I think. And you, they show his confession, and it's such this like forced confession thing that makes you uncomfortable. It's like, oh, this is a kid, and the police are are talking him into this thing, are are making him say these things, and he just, you know, he doesn't know any better. He's like. Oh, so so this is what happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, and it's it's painful to watch. That's the vibe I get from the Sansa scene where they're making her write the letter, where they're just like, "Oh, you disappoint me so much." She's like, "No, I want to be good." Oh, well, then you would do. And, oh, it's so cringy, but it's so good. Yeah, I, I, San, that scene, uh, Sansa really shows she's just a child, and she just like we talked about this in some of the other episodes. She just kind of is in this like fawning over anyone who pays attention to her. She doesn't feel loved by her father. She doesn't feel loved by by Joffrey, and then she just wants someone to want her. And I feel like uh, Cersei just picks her alive for that, and is so like well articulating what she needs her to put in there that it's going to lead to more detriment to her. And she's just so naive. She doesn't get it. Um, which yeah. I want to believe that she's from just the future, you know, that she maybe did know what was doing and she was just trying to survive. Could be. She, I mean, you can definitely tell she doesn't have much of a choice at this point. Right. 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 Um, and that's what this episode is, right? I mean, a lot of hard choices. Yeah. So what did you guys think about the wall? I mean, now, hmm. 
we're starting to get a little more there. We come back now and they get the they find the uh, the two um, comrades to Benjamin and they bring him back. They talk about you know what are they and what should we do with them. Um, we, we still a lot more of the show. Did you feel like it was kind of like a setup so we can see John's character develop a little bit more, or do you feel like this was one of those things where? You know, like the actual plan for John realizing what he needs to do to survive. Uh, I think both of those things for sure. I love that this is a good turning point for John. It's not the ultimate one, but it really kind of starts to set up the big turn for him into what he's about. It does present one of my least or my least favorite bit about the episode. And it's that I, I don't quite understand. And going forward, I'm still unsure as to what the White's capabilities are. They're not zombies. They're not brainless. They're not after brains. They've got like this either hive mind. They're obviously controlled by the White Walkers. But mm-hmm. this one hides behind a door for John to come into the room, <laughs> then closes that drawer for dramatic effect, and then walks very intently up. And then we know that swords don't kill them, but then he acts like the sword kills him. And uh, it's just, it, it seems very played up for the drama. Again, we don't know all this yet, so it's, it's kind of hindsight is, is 2020 that's killing it. But uh, it, <laughs> it just seemed more for the, the effect than for any actual setup of, of what they can and can't do. So I'm a little confused too, and maybe it's explained more in the books, and it could be explained more in the show, to be honest. I don't remember. As I'm re-watching these episodes, I'm, I'm realizing how much I didn't remember about the show. Uh, So is there different types of White Walkers? Because I understand there's the leader guy who's obviously very different. But then why, so why are, why is the whole like hive of, of White Walkers so far away from the wall, but there's still these White Walkers that are basically like right by the wall. So are you referring to the things that we're seeing in this episode? Yeah. So those are whites, not White Walkers. Okay. So what's the so, what's the difference? The White Walkers are these beings that in the books we don't know how they come to be. In the show later on they say that, you know, the Night King makes them out of babies um, who are given to him etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But the White Walkers raise corpses and okay. those are the things that we're and seeing. Those are what. So these corpses being raised, can they raise them from anywhere? I don't get how they're so close to the wall, yet the White Walkers themselves seem to be very far away from the wall because it takes them for freaking ever to get there. So it's, it's, yeah, it's another thing. And in season two, we really start to get with the, the timelines are very sketchy on this. But in the first episode, we see people from the Night Watch dealing with a White Walker. Okay. Um, so we know that there's at least one around. But yeah, I don't really understand where all of them are and what, what the story is trying to tell us. I think it's yeah. a big issue. Yeah, it's kind of a, it just doesn't make much sense to me, time, timeline-wise, mostly. Yeah. What were some more uh, good and bad things from the episode, guys? Your favorite, your least favorite? Um, I'll start with uh, with Drogo and the um, the removal. What I like to refer is the tracheotomy. Um, it was good. Tracheotomy, sorry, is where, you know, the systematic. <laughs> I mean, I love that the guy's dead, but he has to make sure it's just like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to 
take this small piece of your trach and just put it on this pile of bodies. Yeah. Um, that was Gra- probably tongue comes with it too. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and brutal. and actually, I, I I love that he uh, he's a dual knife. You know, he's so he's such a badass that he has like you know essentially like butter knives for him for his weapon where everyone else is carrying on <laughs> these like massive things. You know, his size is no question, right? I mean, we just know that he's horse king. Um, he's <laughs> he's not compensating. <laughs> he's not compensating at all. Um, that would probably be my favorite part um i really actually i i don't didn't really have a whole lot of bad in this episode i this is really builds into something that's like it's really enjoyable for me i maybe say uh maybe catlin talking to lysa you know that whole like family Mm -hmm. thing you know we know she's a cunt like it just (laughs) it just seems to just kind of be a little long drawn for me although i love where he sends sends her child away it's like you know go take a nap and i'll feed you later and i'm like that's just that's just wrong let's just stop (laughs) we we don't need to continue the storyline it's a it's a great debate over what the appropriate age is to end breastfeeding i think that the rule should be if your kid can go i'm hungry and start unlacing your shirt yeah how old is he in this it's like he looks like 11 or 12 I think he's five or six, but yeah. I'm also pulling that number out of my ass. <laughs> yeah, Hans, what did you think? Yeah, I so I think my best my best is 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 similar. Kyle Drogo's just a baller, right? It's so <laughs> sweet to see that one v one fight. Yeah, he just really didn't get enough time on the show. Like, I totally agree. I totally he just agree. he he's so good. Jason Momoa just killed this character, and yeah. uh, that that's that's definitely my best. My worst, I have a couple uh, kind of in mind, and my. My worst are kind of straddling the line with, with scenes that that are not necessarily poorly written or bad, but just kind of bad because I know how they play out, and I'm yeah. just like, all oh, the decisions that were made, I don't like in the show, and for better or for worse. Like I said, it's not necessarily bad writing or or bad acting or anything, but when the <laughs> I I can't remember his name, but um, Rob is at dinner with all the the northern lords and and men and stuff and who's the other who the kind of the main other lord that is 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 conflicting with rob uh great john umber great john umber and he's he's standing up to rob and he's arguing and and all this stuff and then the the wolf comes across the table and bites his fingers off (laughs) and then because he pull he goes he draws his sword right and then and rob says oh he was just drawing his sword to cut my meat and then the guy goes well your meat is bloody tough or whatever (laughs) like what a ridiculous scene after he just lost his fingers not even phased by losing his fingers doesn't even go to clean them up or anything no, so. yeah, he's he's just like, oh, respect, man. <laughs> this is it's the most. I I love to think that I would be, you know, if I was in I was in Westeros, I'd be I'd be Jon Snow, you know, have that sense of honor, that sense of duty, conflicting with what I need to do. Uh, no, if I was in Westeros, I would one hundred percent be Bran Stark in that scene where he's just looking around like, what the actual fuck is happening right now? <laughs> do, do I be concerned? Should I leave? Oh shit, my legs don't work. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Brian has some crazy eyes in this episode. It's great. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, but that is, it's. I, I agree. It's it's a very quick turn, but it's one of it's my favorite moment of the episode. The, the, those few kind of scenes because we've known Rob since episode one. Here's where we get the real introduction to who he is and what he's about, and I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, again, another character we don't get as much time with as maybe we would like, but uh, for the time being, I think he's my golden boy. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm a big, uh, big Rob fan. I also was n- a-, a scene that was just kind of 
cringeworthy, and again, it just goes to make you hate the Lannisters more, <laughs> right? Is when they fire yeah. Lord Barristan, or when they oh, st- oh, they yeah. they cancel him of his duties, basically. That, and, uh, that yeah, that was a really good scene. Yeah, and it, and it, and I love it when he's just like, even now I could cut through the five of you like cutting a cake or whatever. This is just badass. But, but yeah, but it's compared to our like the prior episode, you know, where he kind of just kind of just took it, right? He's like, oh, all right, I guess we have a new king, and yet you see his honor now. It it, it just creates this like who this character flaw for me that is like, mm. wait, why why now do you have that honor where you know. Let's argue a few hours before you were just like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Let's let chaos reign and new king and I'll stand here and that's cool. Even though I have king's, king's words, right? Said it out loud. You know you you know your orders and yet here you don't do it. But then you have this sense of pride that you're not going to retire. Uh, I think it's it's less of that. It's more of the thing. I think Barristan Selmy is a good uh, interpretation of the golden rule where it's like he is willing to do a bunch of shit because he took this vow but you better be taking that vow just as seriously as he is and the second you dismiss him from what's supposed to be a lifelong appointment that sense of duty is gone to right. you Yeah, uh, I, I love this moment and it takes a while for it to pay off with him going over and eventually meeting up with Danny um, but it's very, very cool. A character who we've seen being talked about as a badass. This is the first moment we get of him actually being more than just a, you know, standing around and just a yes man mm-hmm. being cinematic. Yeah. yeah, it's quite cool. Any more good and bad before we hit the jugglies? Well, I think some just some notes to be uh, to be mentioned that'll have some pretty big implications moving forward is uh, Daenerys saves some women. Yeah, uh, from the uh, Dothraki horde, basically, and one of them is what they call a witch, which Maybe. I kind of cringed a bit at that moment. But <laughs> significations. They well, just can't beat that bad a, rap. They just can't beat it. Means it, a right? lot. Everyone and yeah. everyone's just putting the, yeah. putting the witches down. And then uh, I guess quick uh, to hopefully not be jumping the gun too much, Tony, but uh, to add on to the to, to add some jugglies. Here we go. Hodor makes a... Hodor! <laughs> Hodor. Hodor He's steal... got giant blood in him. <laughs> Hodor steals a scene here. So. I, will be, I will be totally honest here. Um, I rewinded this scene. <laughs> because I'm... <laughs> it's Bran and uh, Asha in the Godswood. And then Hodor comes after bathing, we assume. And uh, he's just wearing a towel around his neck with this massive schlong swinging around. <laughs> and uh, Asha makes that kind of, oh, he got giant foot in him. And I, I watched the scene, and then I, I rewind it. And there's a couple things going through my head. The first thing is, who is manscaping Hodor? <laughs> I'd like to know. He's not doing it himself. He can't say more than Hodor. I don't trust him with a razor down by his genitals. Uh, so so what, someone's got to be doing it. So what, what are you saying here? What do you mean? How cleanly was he manscaped? I mean, enough enough to be like, okay, there's some work that's done to this. Like, yeah, yeah. Because it was, you know, it was not scraggly. It was not unimpressive. Um, but he didn't have a lot of body hair at all. So maybe that's yeah, the implication yeah. there. I'm reading way too much into his pubes, but still. No, I think that's a great point. I really was only asking to hear, hear what you would say. Of course. <laughs> because I also rewound the scene. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> only because I'm watching with Jenna. And Jenna goes, uh, Jenna goes, 
why didn't that guy have any pubes? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do they? And she said a similar thing. She goes, did they? Do they manscape in this? Like, what? Like, how? How are they doing that? So, it's low so T. It's, it's low T. Everyone knows that. Low yeah. T. So then it's low T. So then in my notes, because uh, I wasn't necessarily going to rewind it at that time, and then we got talking, and then I, I was arguing that there was no way that that was possible. But in my notes, <laughs> I just have Hodor, naked, flaccid, large, pasty, and then pubes, <laughs> question mark. <laughs> I wanted Every to be adjectives that's I wanted I wanted to be thorough. So then <laughs> question mark. So then I, I rewound and uh there are pubes gray pubes for that matter. Ah. But Okay. Interesting. Did you zoom in? <laughs> no, I didn't have that capability, but That'll be on Instagram yeah. later, in case you're wondering. I just wanted Absolutely. to be I wanted to be thorough for the show, obviously. We appreciate your commitment to the bit. Um the other thing I was wondering, I've I've heard Chris, Christian Nairn, I think is the actor's name, talk about filming the scene before and that it is prosthetic. Um, but did they fil- did they actually film it in front of Isaac? Do you think like he's a child at this point? Where's the legality with that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure because I don't think they ever include all of. I think it's the shots never include all of them. I don't think so. I, I probably yeah. not. It was probably just... I don't think so either. No. And you could fake it even if it did. They're at a distance where a green screen wouldn't be that troublesome. No, no. Um, but Well, Hans, I think you're wrapping up our discussion today. Yeah. So I have, I have a question for you guys. Uh, given that this is kind of where that last episode and into this episode, you know, we be, see a big shift of things as far as the Game of Thrones goes, right? So we sure. have... Uh, we had a point last episode where we talked about, you know, Renly wanting the throne. Daenerys, obviously, is coming back for it. Khal Drogo tells Daenerys he's going to get it for her. Uh, Ned Stark was going to be, you know, on the throne. Uh, obviously, Joffrey is the one who ended up there. Uh, Stannis has been mentioned. So we have a, you know, this is really where all of this starts building up. At this point, before Ned dies, before we really get any any deaths in a lot of this, if you could have Spoiler. picked anyone to take the throne right now, who would it be? Mm. Any of the Lannisters, Ranley, Daenerys, Caldrogo, Hodor? As anyone. as they stand in episode eight? Or yeah, knowing episode eight. what comes next? Nope, episode eight. Okay. Are you saying any of the Lannisters or just like... Anybody. Anyone you want to take the throne. Oh my God, that's tough. Uh, I would say, Ned, only because I don't think we're at the point where Tyrion yeah, would not that's... be at the mercy of his father. So right. um, not that I necessarily want to see Tyrion on the throne, but um, you know, you could make that argument. I don't think Danny's in a position there yet. And while I love Khal Drogo, the, the, <laughs> the prospect of him ruling over everybody is terrifying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Do you guys, uh, do you guys have other thoughts? Yeah. Um, what about what about Catelyn? <laughs> what about her? Get out of here! No, I, I mean I actually think she could she could pull it off. She uh, she's loyal. She uh, she loves her family. Yeah, she jumps to large conclusions and sets a co- upon her family a war that will murder her her husband. But no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> Such is life. I mean. <laughs> We've seen a couple scenes so far of the king holding court where people come and say, oh, this is happening. This is so wrong. And Catelyn Stark could get to the bottom of that. World's yeah, greatest I mean, detective world's established. established. <laughs> she can solve murders. Um, I mean, just for argument's sake, I mean, I think that if you're looking at the Stark family, Ned has already shown that he can't make those hard decisions. And I'd say Catelyn has a little more of that 
you know what? I'm gonna do what I have to do. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the first foot forward. I mean, she takes Tyrion. She goes to the sister. She wants revenge. She wants, but she does it at least in an honorable way, right? I mean, she could have just had him murdered. She could have, right? That's I mean, true. so she does have honor. She does show that she follows law. Um, so I mean, I'd say that I, I want to see Tyrion. I mean, just because he's enjoyable right now. But um, yeah, you know what? For the Catelyn thing, I. I totally agree with you, except I don't go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. That feels good. Hans, who would you put on the Iron Throne? I mean, I think I think you have to put Ned Stark up there. I I would I wanted when I thought of this question, I wanted to think of something, you know, very profound and something something someone unexpected <laughs> that would uh, everyone would be like, "Oh yeah, that would be a great idea." But everyone's just a piece of shit in this show, really, <laughs> when you get down to it. And no one is at that, like, Danny hasn't matured enough yet to even be a consideration for me. Like, she just, she hasn't at all. And all of, obviously, all of the Lannisters have problems. To be honest, my, my front runner, which is kind of surprising, was actually going to be, I hate to say it, because I, I, w- I think it would be terrible. But from a personal standpoint, like, Tywin... Tyler At least Lannister. he's he's relatively responsible. He's you know he's been around the block, but the problem with that is then who does the throne go to afterwards? <laughs> and then it's just and he's already you know he has the most money. So like as far as well what everyone thinks and everything. I mean right. everyone's in his Spoilers. pocket. Everyone's in his pocket anyway. Uh, <laughs> so then why not just have him rule? Because it's not going to make much difference. But. Then it goes down to his just shit kids. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thought. Well, all right, you've you've held your tongue or filled them with pastries, Jeremy. Your time is here, you you sconer bastard. Uh, how did you fare with your mini blueberry scones? Yeah, let's talk about the deliciousness of scones. This blueberry scone is is both small, oh, no, so it's I, edible. I'm sorry, we're and getting the we're just... getting the uh, we're getting the the notion right now yep. that the notice nope, that we're out of wanna, time. It's unfortunately, moist we're so the, sorry about this. If you guys want to hit up our social media, you can find us at Thrones and Scones. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and we don't know what to do there, but you can find us anyway. Keep up with us at ThronesandScones.com and wherever you want to listen in to podcasts, and we will catch you tomorrow. Tomorrow for season one, episode nine. You down with GOT? Yeah, you know me. A five minute conversation on pubes. Literally. It was good. Yeah, it was solid. Okay. I love the yeah. pubes. So I think <laughs> so let's go I, back to that. I want to go back to the pubes because I was holding my tongue a bit, <laughs> but I think that's why they look so goofy, is because it's prosthetic. Because mm. the pubes didn't look right. But why, like, why make that prosthetic? I don't, that's what I don't understand. No, I think like, the pubes were pros- what they were using to hold the prosthetic on. They have some sort of like <laughs> adhesive or or something, and it's they're they've got to be fake. It didn't they they were they didn't look right. Yeah, but we saw sure. we saw Robs. Why can't it we look see like his? it was almost Theons. like it looked like it was almost like CGI or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was strange. Yeah. So hold on, Jeremy. Going going back to that for a second. I mean, the joke is obviously that he's. That he must have giant's blood in him. I don't know what you're packing downstairs, uh, but it had to be prosthetic because it was huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you guys, you guys don't have big cocks. No one, no one. Let me get mine. <laughs> and say, oh my god, <laughs> do the do the contrary, my friend. <laughs> oh no, we're. Uh, I mean, I can relate to horsemen. <laughs> I, I, I'm much more. Uh, I'm much more like uh, like that assassin. Very ball forward. Very. <laughs> Very dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Who was 
also incredibly well groomed. I think that this is just a glaring character flaw yeah, in this whole yeah. show. 